Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Joshua Beck and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Joshua Beck. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. Dr. Beck on special assignment today. So it is just I and we have an opportunity to learn a great deal more not only about COVID-19, the coronavirus that is sweeping across this country and the world, but an educational session on the differences between viruses and bacteria, how they're treated, what works, what doesn't work, and a whole lot more. Joining me from WellMed at South Parsons in Tampa, Florida, Dr. Umpa Pansara, who is a WellMed physician. He earned his bachelor's degree from the University of South Florida in Tampa, his medical degree from Ross University School of Medicine in Bridgetown, Barbados. His family medicine residency was at St. Joseph's Health in Syracuse, New York. Dr. Pensar is board certified in family medicine. And uh, we welcome you to WellMed Radio, Doctor. Thanks for joining us. I'm glad to be here with you. Thank you. Uh, Barbados, not a bad place to go to medical school. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Actually, I went to uh, Dominica, but uh, now the school is shipped to Barbados. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, because, uh, yeah. Dominica is interesting and also very nice. Yeah, and definitely beautiful as well, yeah. Well, as you know, there's a tremendous amount of confusion uh, among uh, lay people over viruses and bacteria and how they're treated, uh, how they spread through uh, a, a community, what's the best way to uh, stop it. And, and that gives us a chance to let you give us an educational session on viruses and bacteria. Why don't we start with the bacteria first? What are they? Uh, interesting. Uh, this is a like very good topic that oh, every like primary care doctor has uh, with their patient uh, uh, because everybody wants antibiotic. Uh, but there are two different things: virus and bacteria. Uh, bacteria are considered a living organism. Uh, they are a single cell. It has its own machinery uh, to produce. Uh, they can uh, replicate without depending on a lot of other factors. Uh, and uh, we have, like, there are billions and billions of bacteria, and uh, not all of the bacteria are harmful to humans, but less than 1% uh, actually causes the infection. And uh, as I said, they've been uh, present uh, in this, uh, on this earth uh, for a long period of time. In fact, when you hear commercials for probiotics talking about putting 10 billion bacteria in your gut, uh, that's a lot of bacteria. Uh, and that's right. Uh, there was one article I was reading that people say that there are about like four pounds of bacteria in human body. I don't know how <laughs> accurate it is, uh, but uh, bacteria have understood the uh, human uh, very well. Uh, they're like there is a symbiotic relationship. We benefit from some of the bacteria, uh, like a lot of bacteria, and in uh, uh, they also use our body uh, to grow, replicate, and survive. Like lactobacilli is a type of uh, healthy bacteria uh, that lives in our gut. Uh, they are very important for digestion. And those probiotics uh, usually have uh, lactobacilli is one of the bacteria that can help with the digestion and uh, help to fight rid of, uh, like, uh, help to get rid of uh, 
unhealthy bacteria that sometimes overgrows uh, when we eat a certain kind of food. Uh, and, and do you recommend to your patients that uh, they take a probiotic, which is uh, trying to inject that good bacteria into us? Uh, it uh, depends. Like if uh, we have some patient, uh, if they are living a very unhealthy uh, lifestyle, they're eating a lot of fast food, junk food, and they're getting uh, bacterial infection. And uh, when the patient are on antibiotic for a long period of time, sometimes, uh, you know, those uh, antibiotics can also kill the regular bacteria and they can cause the super, like uh, other infection or growth of the unhealthy bacteria, like, for example, Clostridium uh, difficile, C. diff. Uh, so at that time, I do recommend people to take uh, probiotic uh, when they're on antibiotic and stuff. Interesting. Uh, but mostly the lifestyle change is uh, needed as well. I actually uh, had C. diff, not a fun time, had been on a, a regimen of uh, an antibiotic, uh, ended up with uh, C. diff. Uh, ultimately, uh, my PCP at WellMed in San Antonio was able to uh, kill the C. diff and bring me back to health, but that was very unpleasant. Well, yeah, C. diff is uh, like a very, it's, uh, the cases of C. diff is uh, like very increasing, uh, and uh, people uh, don't realize it can cause like nasty diarrhea, uh, like 20, 30 times is watery. I have like when I was working uh, or during the residency, we have people, uh, they require actually rectal tube because the diarrhea was so constant that uh, they had to like, uh, they were becoming severely dehydrated. They were getting uh, damage from dehydration, wow. uh, like kidney failure and stuff. And uh, those people did not, like, uh, you know, get better with uh, just outside treatment. They need to be, uh, like, monitored in the PCU and ICU setting. So, yeah, it's it's a very, very bad uh, decision. That's why that's the topic we always have with my patient, like virus and bacteria, whether we should, you know, give them antibiotics or not. Because we don't want to have them increase the risk for developing uh, uh, another infection. That's interesting. When I was a kid growing up, I happened to be 77 years old. And as a kid, I can remember whatever it was I walked into the doctor's office with, you always left with a prescription for an antibiotic. Uh, uh, that's true. And I think that also happens nowadays uh, um, because, uh, like a patient, for some reason, we have developed that tendency that patients expect that we prescribe them something to help with them. So it takes a lot of uh, time to huh. educate, uh, educating the patient about uh, whether, you know, they need the bacteria, uh, like antibacterial or not, they, what kind of treatment we need to focus on. Uh, because we are creating another issue by prescribing unnecessary antibiotics. And the difference then between a bacteria... And a virus, uh, one of the major differences, if, if I'm not mistaken, is that an antibacterial uh, will not touch a virus. Uh, that's correct, uh, because, the, as I said, the bacteria has its own cell, and the way the antibiotic works is they target uh, uh, the bacterial enzyme that how it affects the, uh, like a human body and create the infection. On the virus itself, virus is not considered a living organism by itself. It does not have uh, its metabolic factory. It doesn't have. Uh, it, it cannot replicate by itself. It uh, it has just the genetic material DNA and RNA, and they are surrounded by usually some kind of uh, like a protein. Uh, and uh, virus has to go through like a 
another living organism. They are like considered intracellular parasites. So they have to go through the bird, animal, uh, human, uh, you name it, any kind of living organism. And then the virus kind of enters this genetic material inside the other living organism's uh, cell and then uses the rep- uh, replicates. And that's why the antibiotic uh, doesn't work on virus because they are completely are two different pathogens, two different structures. How then, you say they replicate uh, using another person's cell structure, how do they then spread from person to person? Bacteria, it's easy to understand because they're self-contained and and can move on. Uh, But for the virus, it needs to find a compatible host. Uh, Yes, uh, so usually the bacteria causes the, like, uh, Local infection on the virus. Uh, each virus have a, like a legs outside there. Like I'm uh, using in Lemmerstrom, they have legs outside the capsule, and uh, those legs allow them to you know get entry to the cell. Uh, either it could be the nasal mucosa through the nose, it could be the gut, it could be the liver, uh, and uh, once they go in, uh, they insert their DNA. Let's say for the human, uh, they insert the DNA to our DNA, and then they make it double. And they replicate at so fast rate uh, that uh, the cell, our cell gets, like, tired and it bursts open, and then it spreads to another cell. And how uh, they, that's how they are, like, uh, spreading the disease in, in, uh, very quickly. And uh, for common cold, like, uh, you know, those virus, if they nasal mucosa, when you cough and sneeze, it forms that large mist, and that releases millions, billions of bacteria, and other people can, uh, you know, sniff in, uh, or if they inhale it, uh, they can, uh, you know, uh, it gives the chance of bacteria, uh, virus to uh, go into the other person's body and, you know, transmit the infection. That's one other way. Some uh, viruses uh, is spread to, like, uh, fecal oral, like, uh, like in the kids, if they are not cleaning properly and then putting... If they're not washing hands and putting their hands in the mouth, uh, that's how, you know, uh, they transfer uh, one person to another as well, by drinking uh, contaminated water, sharing something uh, as well. Kids share everything. By the way, if you've just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking with Dr. Pansara, who is with WellMed at South Parsons in Tampa, Florida, and talking about the distinction between viruses and bacteria, obviously using this as a way to take another look from another angle at COVID-19, the coronavirus that is sweeping uh, across this country in Florida and all 50 states. You mentioned kids. Kids will put their mouths, Dr. Pensara, on anything and everything. Uh, yes, uh, that's right. And then uh, it they, you know, they're kids. They don't realize it. Uh, they have a lot of bugs in their hands, and they're touching everything and uh, touching the doorknob, putting the stuff in their finger or like nose. Uh, and then their parents can also touch that stuff, and they can uh, they are at risk of getting that infection. So, you know, I used to see a pediatric patient in our clinic, and a lot of time we had adult patient presenting with you know uh, like gastroenteritis, diarrhea, and vomiting because uh, the kids have it and. Uh, there were a lack of like a proper uh, hand washing or infection control, you know, and uh, that's why they end up getting uh, sick as well. Well, kids are like little petri dishes. Everything, everything grows on everything them. Everything grows on that. Yes, that's right. Now, as you take a look at uh, all the interest now in 
uh, COVID-19 uh, a virus, although it's different than the other coronaviruses that have been around. It's not totally new, is it? Uh, no, uh, actually there are uh, seven different kind of coronavirus uh, uh, or coronavirus family that can cause the infection in a human. Uh, but uh, it goes to the this virus is con- uh, considered a new coronavirus, uh, but it goes to their basic biology. You know, uh, the, each virus, when they enter to the host gene, you know, uh, they, uh, they, can, they create the different kind of immune response. And each time, if they are, like, changing, uh, the inserting at the different site, our immune system, our memory cell, like B memory cell, they don't uh, recognize that uh, virus. And uh, uh, we don't have any, like, fighting army, uh, you know. Uh, no uh, antigens. Yes, no antigens are created. And uh, that's why uh, it, uh, it takes, a, a, like, a toll on our body. It causes, like, very severe infection because uh, this novel corona, uh, you know, COVID-19 virus, uh, this is completely new. We don't have an antigen. Uh, we don't have an antibody created, and that's why these people are getting very, very sick. All right, stay with us. We're going to do a little business at our income right back to you. Uh, we're talking about uh, COVID-19, the difference between a virus, which it is, and bacteria, how they're treated, how they're diagnosed, and what the odds are of it coming back again and again and again. Dr. Pansara is with us on our Women Radio Hotline. He is at WellMed's Clinic in South Parsons, in Tampa, Florida. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number, and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. We are so pleased you were with us today on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, and at the top of nearly everybody's mind, of course, is the COVID-19 virus, the coronavirus that has taken so many lives already in this country and around the world, has infected so many people. And we're talking with a gentleman, uh, Dr. Pansara, who's a WellMed physician, WellMed at South Parsons in Tampa, Florida, board certified in family medicine. And in his career, he, of course, has seen Uh, Lots of bacteria, lots of viruses, but this version of the coronavirus is a new one for which there is no vaccine at this time. And Dr. Pinsir, again, we thank you so much for being with us. Once there is a vaccine developed, are you fairly confident uh, that this virus uh, will go the way of all the others? It may come back, uh, but it won't infect as many people? Uh, That's correct, but... uh Creating the vaccine, uh, you know, it, it's going to take its time, and uh, then we have to administer those vaccines to the, like, like entire population so, you know, we can create the, uh, like, immune response like other vaccines. Uh, uh, in the, uh, 
so uh, it's going to be a, a little a long process uh, in the uh, like even though after the curve for the this corona covid-19 is going to flatten the, there is a good chance the this going to be another wave coming in uh so it's very essential like if you get the vaccine on time uh, uh then it can decrease the rate of reoccurrence and then we can uh, develop the immunity now what about immunity caused by getting the virus when i was a kid growing up in cleveland ohio 1940s and 50s. I remember like yesterday, my mother got all excited. Little Spencer Sharwell down the street had chicken pox, and she couldn't get us down there. Me and my brother, we had to be there really quick, hang out with Spencer, get chicken pox, and then be immune. Uh, yes. Uh, so uh, uh, certain viruses, you know, they're like, as I said, virus have a genetic material, uh, either DNA or RNA. Certain virus, uh, they have that uh, if certain DNA virus, they have their uh, editing system, and once uh, we create the antigen, our memory cell, our like immune cell, uh, recognizes and it remembers that infection. So when you get the infection another time, you are protected uh, kind of for a, a lifetime. Uh, speaking of chickenpox, uh, you know, chickenpox is uh, caused by the herpes uh, uh, zoster virus. Uh, those people uh, with the chickenpox, uh, you still have that uh, virus uh, in the system that can hide. And when people get uh, older or when they become immunocompromised, they develop diabetes, they become very sick, they get stressed out. Sometimes that the same virus can cause this something called shingles, uh, which can cause the very uh, painful, uh, like a vesicle-like rash, uh, and it can happen any part of the body. And even after the rash is gone, it can cause something called post-herpetic neuralgia, which is a like chronic nerve pain uh, that really affects the quality of patients, uh, people's life. Uh, That's why I got the uh, new vaccine. I had the old one, too, but got the new one as well to try, try, try at least reduce my risk of developing shingles. Uh, that's right. The new vaccine uh, is much, much like a night, a 95% uh, better than the other one. Uh, and it reduces the chances of developing post-herpetic neuralgia by 90%. And it's uh, recommended for people uh, 50 and above. Uh, and uh, anybody even who had a chicken, a chicken pox or had an old shingles vaccine, uh, it, uh, it's, uh, it's recommended to get that done. I definitely recommend to all of my patients uh, who... Uh, kind of mix the criteria for the vaccine. Now, as you mentioned, with the uh, uh, this new Norel coronavirus, uh, scientists had to wait until some people got it because we didn't even know it existed in order to uh, get the material needed to develop a vaccine, which I'm told takes anywhere from 14 to 18 months to two years. It's not instant creating a vaccine. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, 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 most of the vaccine, uh, you know, it's uh, in the U.S. Uh, it has to, you know, it's regulated by FDA. Uh, it has to have uh, their different tri uh, trials on animals and then on the human. Uh, but with the corona, I think uh, there's a company called Moderna. They're already uh, working on developing vaccine, and they're already uh, on the phase two uh, trial uh, right now. They are trying on the human directly. Uh, I'm not sure how effective it's going to be. But at this point, because uh, the, this COVID-19 is uh, killing uh, people at higher rate uh, than any other uh, viruses right now, like, like flu, it's killing more people than flu. 
What makes it so deadly? Because it's a completely new strain uh, of the virus uh, that uh, our uh, immune system haven't uh, uh, like created the antibody to. So we are kind uh, kind of defenseless, uh, defenseless against it. And this corona, this particular type of coronavirus is affecting the respiratory tract, and it produces uh, it. Uh, it makes people to, you know, develop uh, something called acute respiratory distress syndrome. Uh, it drops the people's oxygen level. There makes the breathing very hard. And um, once the lung or heart uh, is getting compromised, uh, those people are, you know, uh, uh, dying very fast. And what I hear is like people who are on ventilator, uh, they are the one dying faster with COVID-19. It's like COPD on steroids. Yes. For those on a ventilator, uh, you know, in the last several weeks, we've heard more about ventilators than uh, I think we'd heard about in my entire lifetime. They can be life-saving devices, but they also are very tough uh, when you get people off of them, often there are other problems that kick in. Yes, so like uh, so, uh, people who needs to be intubated, uh, uh, you know, they're already their body is already in the stress. Uh, they are struggling. They're uh, they're probably struggling with the heart as well. They're also having a low level of oxygen uh, vent uh, like going in the brain prior to they were intubated, and that was the reason they were being intubated, because they are not transferring the oxygen. So those people can get uh, anoxic brain injury as well. In that post-intubation, they can survive from, like, a different other uh, medical uh, problem as well on a lifelong basis, Mm. because that's the scar that created, uh, you know, the, uh, the lungs. If you had to be intubated, would you do it or would you decline? Uh, it really depends uh, on, like, uh, I, I would evaluate as my, uh, what my medical history is. Uh, so if I'm young, if I don't have a lot of medical problems, and uh, then I would uh, do the uh, ventilator. But people who are in their 70s and 80s, uh, they have a lot of other chronic conditions, uh, uh, heart failure, they have COPD, or uh, their quality of life, if it's not going to, uh, you know, uh, if they're going to get worse after they get intubated or they're on the ventilator, then I would probably choose, uh, choose not to be on ventilator. Interesting. And that's a discussion, yeah, uh, you know, all of the patient, doctor have, uh, you know, should have with their patients, yeah. It's a really good reason to complete the end-of-life uh, documentation that we all should have on file with our doctors. Yes, and uh, uh, that's uh, like a regular conversation we have when people come here for their wellness exam. Like uh, when people are in their good health, uh, that's the time. You know, uh, I have a discussion with my uh, patient from the beginning, like something bad were to happen. Uh, we we have the like written discussion, uh, verbal discussion uh, about what their wish going to be, and I give them like, uh, you know, good uh, a summary of their overall health, and then uh, we make the mutual decision. So when uh, something happens, it doesn't cause the burden onto the patient's family and uh, the doctors who are treating them because we exactly know uh, what the patient's wish are. It's interesting. My PCP, I happen to be a well-med patient. Dr. Richard Press is here in San Antonio, deserves awards for being so persistent because I dragged my feet. I was like the uh, shoemaker's kid who never had shoes. I figured, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. 
And every time I saw him, he went after me with a two-by-four and said, you need to fill out this paperwork. So ultimately I did. And it, it, was, it was painless. Yes, and actually uh, some of my friends who are working in New York City, they're uh, like young, uh, their hospital, they're actually, you know, as a doctor also, they're uh, signing the, this uh, advanced directive. Uh, right. Because uh, we never know, like young people are also getting, uh, you know, affected by COVID. So uh, one thing I want to say that, like, even the young people, uh, they are not old. They should have also have this discussion with their doctor about uh, their, uh, you know, end of life wishes. Now we got less than a minute left, but I wanted to give you a last shot at how optimistic are you? Are we going to get uh, beyond and ahead of this coronavirus? Uh, right now, uh, uh, it's kind of hard to say. But what I'm seeing, the numbers, uh, I think. Uh, we are testing people properly, and, uh, and now the the number of new cases are decreasing. So I'm uh, I'm hopeful uh, that uh, this thing uh, will get over soon, and we'll be living a regular life again. But uh, we have to be prepared uh, to you know uh, be ready for another pandemic because this new virus is always going to come, and we have to be ready to fight it off. So we have to have like we have to learn from this to uh, get a better system ready to fight off this kind of a huge pandemic that we are dealing right now. Boy, that's great advice. Got to stop you right there. Thank you so much for joining us on WellMed Radio. Dr. Pensara, we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Bye-bye. I'm glad I was here. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. WellMed at South Parsons in Tampa, Florida is where you find him. I'm Ron Aaron. You've been listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.